right, if you guys want to take your Bibles and turn over to Psalm 42. If I can find it. All right, so we've been um, going through the different Psalms, and um, this Psalm, uh, we've done uh, a category that this is in before, and so this is a lament Psalm, okay? And um, uh, we did one back, I think, in the beginning of summer as we looked at Psalm 3. And now we're coming to uh, one of my favorites. I really enjoy Psalm 42. And uh, that's where we're going to find ourselves this morning, all right? So let's all turn over to there, and we will read it uh, together, okay? All right, so why don't we all stand for the reading of, of God's Word? Psalm 42. God's word says this to us this morning. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God. With shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festival, a festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet again praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why? Have you forsaken me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. The word of the Lord. You guys can take a seat. Well, I have shared before that uh, I enjoy reading Christian biographies, and uh, it's just something that maybe the historian kind of in me just loves, kind of learning about people's lives and what makes them tick and, uh, and all those different things. But recently I've been reading a biography on William Cooper. Uh, and it's, the biography is called The Hidden Smile of God by the author John Piper. And I was attracted to the story of Cooper because of his struggle. And uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more, I think. But Cooper was a man who walked deeply with the Lord and yet faced some very severe battles with mental illness. Some very severe battles with uh, attempted suicide and different things like that, faced a very constant and dark spiritual depression, 
And um, yet his story is very well known because he famously wrote many hymns and many uh, poems. Hymns like, There is a fountain filled with blood. We sing that song sometimes here even at our church, and it's a beautiful hymn that talks about the gospel, the good news of our salvation. But he is also known for his struggle and his walking through his spiritual depression. And yet how the Lord preserved him in and through it and how he was used to bless us even hundreds of years later through his work. So this morning as we look through Psalm 42, we're going to see that because God is our greatest treasure, we should continue to hope in him even in the depths of our despair. Even in the depths of our despair, just like William Cooper. So as we begin, what we're going to do is we're going to look at three feelings or three things that each Christian goes through at one time or another. And these three feelings are this. The first one, longing. Particularly a longing for God. Secondly, it's despair. And then thirdly, hope. So first, let's look at this idea or feeling of longing. See, as humans, we long for a lot of different things. We may long for peace. We talk about that in our prayer time, we're not, you know, praying for peace for our city. We may long for security, just to know that we are, have a safe place to live and to raise our kids or to have as a home. We long for provision, right? We pray for our daily bread. We want the Lord to provide for our needs. Maybe we long for satisfaction or pleasure or meaning. We want to know that what we are doing is significant, right? I long for that. I want that each and every day. And yet the psalmist says that he has one of his deepest longings and deepest desires is for God. That there is no desire that trumps that desire for God. Verses 1 and 2, we just read, but I'll read it again for us, says this, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my, pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. A long time ago, St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. The human heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. If we were made for God, the only logical conclusion is that our hearts will be restless until we rest in Him, just like Augustine said. We search for peace and rest and meaning and security in so many different things other than God, and we forfeit our rest of our souls, our satisfaction, the, thing, the very thing that we are looking for. So a question for us, even as we begin looking at Psalm 42, is are you searching? Are you longing? What are you searching for this morning? Well, the psalmist begins painting a vivid picture for us, a picture of a deer, a deer that is thirsty and that thirst that must be quenched. It's kind of think about like a dog you know, um, in the middle of summertime, right? The dog's been running outside, and the dog comes in, panting, right? And he goes, <laughs> real, real loud, right? And coming into the house, searching for that bowl of water, that cool water that would refresh 
its thirst. The same picture is here of a deer that is thirsty. And he says, just like that deer is thirsty, I am thirsty for God, for the living God. Now, to be sure, at this moment, he is still thirsty. His thirst has not been quenched. He is in the waiting room, as it were, waiting and hoping and longing for this deep thirst to finally be quenched again. What is the thirst or longing for? The text says it's for God. It's for the living God. Not some dead or lifeless idol, but the living God. The God whose realness that he once felt, but is not presently feeling. He remembers back throughout the psalm of these intimate times of worship, as we will see. He remembers the God who he used to feel so close to as he gathered with other Christians for worship. The God who gave him this unexplainable joy and hope and peace and yet now feels so elusive and distant. This morning I want to ask you, are you there? Are you longing? Are you thirsty? For the experience of God that you once had before, but presently you are not feeling. Sometimes we talk about this from feeling dry or feeling distant from the Lord. And the Bible tells us that we're thirsty for the Lord whether we recognize it or not. Whether you feel that it is your deepest longing or desire or not, we are made for the living God. And we try to go fill up that longing with all different kinds of things. Whether it's in our favorite sport like basketball or it's in something else, we try to fill up that longing that only God can fill. No substitute will ever do, not even his good gifts. I'm convicted by that. Not even God's good gifts will give us that longing or that, that fulfillment that we long for. But God himself, as the text shows us this morning. But as we will see, I think this, this psalm is particularly geared towards Christians who have once tasted and seen the goodness of God and yet are in moments of despair, moments of discouragement, moments of turmoil inside of them. As Christians, we know that there will be those times that we will face that discouragement, that despair. God doesn't spare us from those things. He has a purpose in our suffering, as we have seen over and over again in the Bible. And the question is, are you there this morning? Or as one music artist put it this way, are you in the waiting room? Waiting for the presence of God to feel the way it did before. Well, as doctors sometimes say, it's going to get worse before it gets better. The psalmist goes on to describe the present situation that he is feeling, which is despair. Despair is what he is feeling. And the reality of despair and the description of despair takes up a majority of this psalm here. In this psalm, these feelings of despair are set off by a question that he asked in verse 2. When shall I come and appear before God? 
So not, not always are we given kind of the historical background to each and every song. Sometimes in the superscriptions, we're given uh, some historical context, like Psalm 51 talks about, you know, David's sin with Bathsheba. And we could point back to that and say, that's what was going on inside of David's mind. But here, we have to look inside of the text for the clues of what's going on and how to better understand it and apply it in our lives. See, the psalmist here remembers a time of leading the people of God into the worship there in the temple in verse 4. This is a sweet memory for him. It's something that he looks back on with nostalgia. He says, this is a, a sweet and a fond memory for me, and yet something I'm not feeling right now. One commentator puts it this way. He says, feeling deserted by God and cut off from the joy of participating in the temple's worship, the psalmist determines to remember better times. But a forced nostalgia is no substitute for reality. Even as good as that memory might be for him, it's no substitute for what he is experiencing now. How often in the depths of our spiritual depression and discouragement do we go back to those times, those memories of better times with the Lord? When we were on fire for the Lord, when we were sharing the gospel with anything that moved, when we were excited about telling people about Jesus, when we felt his nearness in that worship service or in that Bible study. And yet, as good as those memories are, they just can't replace the real thing. That presently, right now, I am experiencing the depths of despair. And that's where the psalmist finds himself. And that's where many of us maybe find ourselves today or have in the past. And to be clear, this despair is not some just slight discouragement. It's not just I had a bad morning and I'm in a bad mood. This is a significant discouragement. And we see this in the psalm. Verse 3, it says, My tears have been my food day and night. And later in the refrain, in verse 5, it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? His soul is in a war, in a conflict of thought, emotion, and feeling. What he wants, he does not have. What he had, he cannot presently feel. What he has tasted, he cannot now enjoy. That may be for some of us this morning. But on top of this, to make matters worse, he has an enemy. A lot of times we see in the psalm an enemy that is hurling assaults, hurling insults or questions. Verse 3, it says, While they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Where is your God? Again, in verse 10, it says, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? It's like salt in a wound, right? It's bad enough that you have the wound, but if you poured salt in that wound, it's even worse. Or being kicked when you're down, right? We say that kind of phrase sometimes. One commentator, I love what he says here. He says, uh, in speaking about the enemy's mocking question, where is your God? He says, down deep in his heart, he asks the same question. Where is my God? In that moment of despair, 
he is asking the same question that his mockers are saying to him. Where is your God? He's honestly saying, I don't know. I'm asking the same question as I'm wrestling with this discouragement going on in my soul. And now you too are asking me this question. It's the salt in the wound. It's kicking me when I'm down. And yet this is what happens to us as believers at one time or another. We feel spiritually depressed. We feel spiritually discouraged. Maybe about our own walk with the Lord. That we, it feels like we haven't enjoyed God's word or been in God's word for a long time. Maybe it feels like our ministry is just falling apart or things aren't going the way that we want them to go. And then you have some mocker and hater saying, where is your God? If he's so great, why isn't he helping you now when you're down? Maybe this is where we are this morning. Maybe it's not as intense as this, or maybe it's just as intense as the psalmist, despair. But as many have pointed out, what the psalms do for us is give us a language to be able to talk about the deep emotions that we feel in prayer to God. What it does for us is gives us a respectful and honoring way to speak to God in prayer, even in the depths of our despair. And particularly here in Psalm 42, we see a way to pray to God honestly and respectfully and yet in a way that describes the depths of feelings that we have. Sometimes we can't put those things to words, right? You know, your spouse asks you, how are you doing? And it's like, wow, bad. You know, I, I'm just doing bad. I don't know how to describe what's going on. And yet what Psalm 42 does is give us language to speak to the Lord. To say, Lord, we are struggling in the depths of our despair in this broken and fallen world. And we are crying out to him. Are you in despair this morning? My encouragement to you, if you are, is to talk to the Lord in prayer. Go to him in prayer, in constant, abiding prayer, honest prayer about where you are. Psalm 42 is a prayer to our Heavenly Father who knows not only our struggle and our pain, but He is the one that has planned its existence before we were even an idea for our parents or whatever it may be. Listen to Cooper's hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. He says this, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. I like that last line. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. God knows what he's doing. He always has and he always will. This circumstance that you find yourself in or will find yourself in is no surprise to God. He uses even suffering in our lives, even despair in our lives for his sovereign purposes. I've been learning all about that as I read about the story of William Cooper. And he says, the bud may have a bitter taste, meaning the, the suffering, but sweet will be the flower, the thing that the suffering produces in us, in you 
and in me. Well, thank God he doesn't leave us in the depths of our despair or in the waiting room of our pain, but he goes on in this psalm to give us a true hope. And that's the third thing that we experience as Christians, that third feeling, which is hope. Already, as we've read through the whole psalm, we already realize that there is a back and forth nature. Okay, there's a kind of back and forth nature between the positive and the negative. Or as others have put it, it's a lament section, followed by a hope section, followed by a lament section and a hope section. It kind of goes into a real world issue. This shows us that Psalm 42 is a real man with real problems in a real fallen world. You know, we wish that it could just be despair once and then hope forevermore in our lives. But yet our experience is a lot of times that alternating between despair and hope and despair and hope. And that's our experience a lot of times. The structure of the psalm and the psalmist's expression here shows us that that is true. And yet even in our depths of despair, God gives us hope. God helps the psalmist not to lose hope. He helps us not to lose hope. See, hope is continually held out before him, and he holds on to it despite his present circumstances. And the same is true for you and me. The refrain in verses 5 and 11, which is the main section of hope, is where we find ourselves. I'll read verse 5 for us again. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you uh, in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation. Notice that the hope is in something. That hope is not in a better day or a better future that might come, but the hope is in God Himself. It's not in the worship service that He used to love going to and He remembers that thing, or it's not in uh, a special retreat that we need to go to to be able to, to get ourselves back on pace with God. His hope is in God. And not that those things are bad. God calls us to gather as His people. God you know, uses retreats in a powerful way. But what do we do a lot of times? We look to the thing in and of itself to refresh us and to renew us. Take God out of the picture. The psalmist is reminding us that we should not do that. But how many times we do? Also notice the psalmist is not content with his despair, but he fights it by preaching to himself. I've shared this quote before from Martin Lloyd-Jones, and I'll share it again. It's in reference to the Psalm 42. He says this, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Maybe somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this, instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts to talk to himself. Why are that downcast all my soul? He asks his soul. His soul has been depressing him and crushing him, so he stands up and says, Self, 
Listen for a moment, and I will speak to you. How good that is when despair hits that we cannot be content to listen to that voice of despair inside of us, but to preach back to ourselves the truth of God, the hope of God, even in this passage in Psalm 42. We must fight back with hope as our weapon. We've been talking about spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6 during our Bible study on Wednesdays and how we need to put on the full armor of God. And this week we talked about how to wield the sword of the Spirit. Here's one application for that. Use God's hope when despair is speaking up to you, to trying to keep you in that place of despair. When we feel like a spiritual failure in the same old struggles of our sin that we've always had, they keep creeping their face back up in our lives. Or maybe when the world seems to be falling apart all around us and God seems a million miles away. We must tell ourselves, soul, do not stay in despair, but hope in God. He is your hope. You will again praise Him, the God of your salvation, your rock. Speak to yourself. Preach to yourself. It's so important in the Christian life. The last thing here I want us to see as we look at this idea of hope is the importance of remembrance in time of despair. I've always remembered a quote that I heard, I think it was in reference to Hebrews 11. And it says essentially, faith looks in two directions. It looks up at who God is and it look, looks back on what He has done. It looks in two directions. We focus on the character of God, who He is in the Scriptures, and then we look back at what He's done for us in the past. And as we do that, it builds our faith. It strengthens our faith in those times of despair, in those times of depression. The psalmist here, he looks back on those times of leading God's people in worship, and there is a sadness because... He is not presently there. He's not presently leading God's people in worship. But he's also looking back as a means of helping himself to remember about who God is and what he can do so that God might do that again. So that he might remember that God can do that again in his life. It's important for us to remember and to study church history, for example. To go back and see what God has done in the past and know that He can do it in the future. That when we're struggling as a young church plant about you know, maybe all the, the failures that we might have or the things that we don't have, we can look back and see God used small churches all throughout history to change the world. And yet the hope for revival is set out before us, just like it was set out in the saints of the past. The psalmist looks back, and so should we. And that should, should uh, stir up our hope and our faith in God. See, I like how the psalmist ends this passage in verse 11. We've said it many times, already the refrain, but I'll read it one more time. It's, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. One of the beautiful things about this psalm 
is that despair is not the last word. Despair is not the last word for the believer. Rather, hope is. Despair may be our traveling companion here in this world, here on our journey of faith, but hope is our ultimate destination. Hope that there will be a better day. There will be a day when we will no longer despair, when we will no longer wrestle with feeling distant from the Lord because our faith will be sight and we will be with the Lord. We know even in the midst of our despair that we who believe in Christ, those who have been washed by the blood of the Lord, or those, as Cooper has said before in one of his famous hymns, who have plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. We are the ones who have real hope. Not wishful thinking. Not just something that we hope is going to happen. Hope a better day will come for us and our city or our family or our lives. But something that we can take to the bank. Something that we can trust in. That there is certainty of this hope for you and for me. Because of Jesus and Jesus alone. And we look towards that hope, even in the midst of our despair, just as the psalmist did. Continually preaching to ourselves and not just listening to that voice of despair, but being satisfied with fighting with every weapon that God has given us until the day that he calls us home or the day that he comes back. And then, just like our faith will be sight, our hope will be fully realized because we will be with him and his presence forevermore. And it will be one long, happy worship service that we long for just like the psalmist longed for. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for um, the language of Psalm 42, Lord, that it helps us be able to express the depths of our despair. And Lord, honestly, maybe some of us are not in that despair right now. And yet this is uh, kind of a preventative measure, meaning one day we will be in despair. And we will know how to process that and walk through that as believers. God, we thank you for your word. That it is um, honest. That it's authentic, Lord. As you don't hide from uh, hard circumstances or hard questions that we really face in our lives. It's not just some pie in the sky thinking. It's real hope for real people like us. And so, Jesus, we pray, Lord, that those of us who do not know you, Lord, that you would help us to trust in you, Jesus. That we would plunge ourselves beneath that flood and lose all of our guilty stains, Lord, that our sin has given us, Lord. And that we would share in the same hope that many of us in this church share in because we trust in you. Lord, we pray that you would keep us keeping on. Lord, that you would help us to keep fighting the good fight, day in and day out. And Lord, we thank you for Psalm 42, which has given us an example of that. May we follow that example, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we can stand together as we sing our final hymn. appropriate song as we remember that he is